Hey, what's up, you beautiful people, and welcome to Taking Over the Photo Pit, a music photography podcast held by me, Boston Schultz, where I sit down and interview badass music photographers, and today I am talking to Kale Goodry, and I am so excited for this because Kale has such a unique perspective when it comes to their photography, and we dive into how you come up with your own style, your uniqueness when it comes to photography, and how to make your work truly yours, and how it relates to you as a person and a creative, and also when it comes to music photography, Kale has been a house photographer at a venue and has also gone on tours, so they have so much perspective on working in the music industry and I'm just so excited to share that with you. This is a long one because we talk a lot, but it's such good information and I love talking to Kale and I know that you guys will enjoy this, so let's dive right into it. Hey Kale, I am so excited to finally have you on this podcast because I think that we started talking like literally months ago about featuring you on the podcast and here we are sitting down finally talking. So I'm so excited and let's just jump into this. I want to hear how you got started in the music industry, how you got started in photography, how long you've been shooting, like everything about you and your photography career. Tell us about it. Yeah, so um, my name is Kale Guidry. Um, I grew up in a very small bayou town near New Orleans, Louisiana. Now I live in Baton Rouge, which is our state capital. Um, my interest in photography started at a really young age. Me and my siblings used to watch um, every Saturday on, I think it was like MTV or VH1. It was one of those those like channels. Um, we used to watch like whole seasons of America's Next Top Model. And I was always like fascinated with um, the photographers and uh, particularly like Mr. J and like how he would like angle models and how he would um, like basically like how you would see the behind the scenes stuff and how it would translate into photo. And that's like where my interest in photography started. But um, as far as music photography goes, I got my first like professional camera about three years ago from another photographer who was in our scene and um I had at that point I was already tour managing I was managing a band called Hey Thanks which I still am and so I was like pretty involved in the scene so I kind of just um I was really like excited to learn how to do music photography because it was just like another way for me to be super into the music scene and it was honestly like my first like venture into professional photography and it was really really fun because I like super enjoyed um how challenging it was to do like low light shoots and how like mm -hmm. to take pictures of like moving people and not just stationary like portrait photography so it was really really fun and um ever since then I've kind of just been you know aside from this COVID stuff it's been the last um half a year of our lives um which I'm, we can all feel that same sentiment mm -hmm. but um you know I, I really enjoy watching like how much I've progressed just in like music photography yeah that's awesome and we'll dive into COVID in a little bit because I really like hearing how people are kind of like reacting to COVID because 
I know that everyone's kind of like struggling right now. It's very strange for all of us in the music industry. But before we dive into all of that, I want to have you like brag a little bit about the stuff that you've done. So like, what is your biggest accomplishment? Like when it comes to your music photography, what's something that you've done that you're super, super proud of? I think the f- my like biggest accomplishment so far was definitely shooting one of my favorite bands um and that that shoot was actually what helped me become the house photographer for a music venue and it was all just like really exciting and I, I think that was probably my biggest accomplishment just because I was like super proud of myself for doing that and it was kind of like a um a trial by fire thing and I passed so it was I think that's probably my my biggest success I would say I love that what was the band um they're called Starset uh I have loved them for at least since freshman year of college which was god seven years ago um (laughs) they're kind of like Breaking Benjamin but they have this huge like space aesthetic and like they they're they wear like astronaut costumes and there's like storylines involved with their music and I like love them and they happened to play a show at my music venue that I worked at as a stagehand and I like just begged my boss I was like can I please shoot this band like oh my god please and she let me and I she said I did like such a good job that she actually offered me to be like the house photographer because they didn't actually have one um but Mm -hmm. yeah it's kind of how that came about and so it was really really fun that like one of my favorite bands gave me the opportunity to be a house photographer so it was really cool I love that let's let's talk about this house photographer position real quick because that like being a house photographer I think is like kind of like goals for a lot of people in the music industry so I I would love to hear about like that experience being the house photographer like things that it's kind of taught you and advice for people trying to also be a house photographer um so my experience with house photography it was a little I guess atypical um because I had already worked at the venue for six months as a mm-hmm. stagehand and like a door person. Um, so I kind of just like Got slid into this role and my boss just kind of like let it happen. But it wasn't a paid position, which was also a little different. Um, I know most positions are like, you know, paid. Mm-hmm. But I was already quit. I was already going to be quitting the venue anyway because I had gotten like a different job that had like much better hours and um it was more in like my actual like day career um but I was really sad I didn't want to leave the venue because like they were like my family at that point um and so all of this kind of just like melted together perfectly and I got the position and I stayed on the team um but it was really it was a really fun experience I was the house photographer for about four five months I would say Um, and one thing it really taught me was like how to like really maintain deadlines and, um, because I know like there's a joke that, um, photographers tend to have really huge backlogs and I was no exception to that. I would, especially for DIY shows, which is kind of the shows that I mostly did, you know, you weren't like in a super rush to have like all of your photos edited. 
Um, but for the house photography, it was, you know, depending on the client, I mm. would have to have, you know, all those photos edited, you know, within like by the, by the time they, um, like left the venue that night, um, so they could post on their social medias or any type of media that it would be going on. So it really taught me like, you know, I have to get there, I have to do my job and I have to leave so that I can edit these photos. Like, so it really taught me like to be very prompt with my editing and with my, um, with like the other side of the job that isn't in the venue necessarily. Yeah, to, like, buckle down and do something, <laughs> which is always hard for me. I'm like, oh, I'll be at the show, and then I go home and want to relax instead of editing photos, you know? Yeah, and depending on, I remember, um, depending on the, the bands, like, I shot Insane Clown Posse, and those photos took forever to edit because that <laughs> band is just so crazy, and, uh, and there's so much change in lighting, like, constantly. So you're constantly having to adjust on the fly. And some of your shots get, like, way overexposed. And some of them are underexposed because like, you accidentally shoot, like, right when the lights go black. And and so it, it's, it was definitely a really big learning experience, like, shooting, like, band after band after band on, like, that higher level. And really seeing how much their own stage equipment, like, changes everything. Yeah, so I would say, like, my best advice is just to not necessarily, like, confine yourself to just what you see, like, job postings on the internet, especially once venues eventually open back up. You know, there may be new positions. People are going to be looking for more things. Don't be afraid to email people. Don't be afraid to use your network to, like, really get creative with, like, marketing mm -hmm. yourself because that's how you get the positions that, you know, maybe didn't exist but they might make it for you so i definitely think that those are um there's different avenues in just your typical way of getting hired on these things yeah i love that that's great advice i want to talk a little bit about like what you see as success when it comes to like your music photography career like what are you thinking of as like a goal like what do you still want to accomplish that's on your bucket list um I think for me success is it's nothing that's stagnant and I think for me I view success as okay am I proud of what I did do I know where I want to go from here do I understand where there's room for growth and do I have a plan to grow then like that's successful to me because you never stop growing. So I feel like success isn't a destination. Success is just knowing what your path is and having a plan on how to like walk down that path. And so I think like my next big goal, because I plan on getting a new camera soon, fingers crossed, <laughs> um, I really want to get into video. Nice. And especially because live music is kind of, you know, no one knows when it's coming back. Um, I know there's been like DIY shows popping up every now and then, but it's not, you know, necessarily the most responsible thing. But like, as far as like big touring acts go, no one really knows when it's coming back. So I really want to get into like music videos and like sort of that kind of stuff, maybe filming like live sessions and, but like you doing it like very professionally. Um, so that's mm -hmm. kind of like my next, I guess, venture in my music photography path is just doing video. So I definitely want to like at you know at some point in 2021 like I want to film my first music video. I want to really get a better grasp on video editing. Um, 
things on the other side of the music industry where when it comes to like promotional stuff and you know all of that all the things you use video for Mm -hmm. I love that I I just think that your idea of like growing and like leading or I guess like having a clear path for you to grow into I love that because uh it's kind of like hard when you like accomplish something and then you're like oh shit like now what like where do we go from here but like having that path is super important so I love that you said that and I think it's really exciting that you're planning on getting into video I know video is a whole new world for a lot of us so I think that's awesome (laughs) yeah it's just like it's so much and like the standards I think for video are so high that like it scares me like every time I post a video I'm like don't don't judge me so much like this isn't my day job you know yeah uh but yeah I think that's all super exciting um especially getting a new camera I mean getting new gear is always super fun I was thinking about it already but a bunch of things happened in the last like two weeks that have really pushed that that I want a new thing because my car actually got broken into like (gasps) two weeks ago um and I know this is so dumb of me but I had just moved and my lens was in my car and it got stolen oh no and on top of that um my camera screen had been broken for a while because I had let someone use it and they cracked it um so I had had a lot of things happen that I'm just like I think this is just the universe telling me, like, you need to take the next step. Um, Mm -hmm. So I've been looking into um, new cameras, and that's really exciting because I've never done that before. I'm still using the same camera that was, you know, it wasn't given to me. I bought it from my friend, but it was the one that they had. So I didn't have to, like, think about what camera to get. It was the one they had. So this is the first time I'm, like, researching, like, specs and, like, like, like understanding the differences between each model and things like that so it's like really super exciting because it's something I never really had to think about before that is really cool and like you can dive in for hours and hours looking at different camera specs and like going in a circle (laughs) so I've discovered I think I think I've settled on the one that I want though so finally I decided like last night so I think I know which one I'm getting yeah um I'm looking at the the night the Nikon Z series. So I'm super pumped about that. Yes. Which one? Uh, the Z6 II, I think is the one that okay. I'm going to get. Um, they're great for video. I follow a yeah. few uh, photography uh, influencers that use them and they've done like video reviews. And I think for me, what was keeping me from mirrorless because I had always heard that like they don't have the viewfinders and things like that. And I like the viewfinder. and But the Z series does have it. And like when I figured when I saw that I was like okay I think the Z series is for me yeah that was like the the thing that like pushed it that I was like yeah because I'm I'm very much a Nikon person yes. I wouldn't say I'm a loyalist but like I've held Canons I've held Sony I've held they just don't feel right in my hands but like Nikon just the way it's laid out like it always just felt comfortable for me so I definitely wanted to stick with Nikon yeah, I'm I'm an icon person too and I completely agree. I've held all of these other cameras and I'm just like you know what? No, I want I want my Nikon again. Sorry. <laughs> <That's> literally me. <laughs> 
I love it. Okay, I always love meeting fellow Nikon people, so very yes, happy about absolutely. that. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so one thing that you mentioned earlier was that you've managed a band and like gone on tour with them as like a tour manager. Can you tell me about your experience going on tour, how you got on tour, and like what it's like being a tour manager and all of that fun stuff? Because I have never toured and I know literally nothing about touring. So I'd just like love to hear your experience. Yeah. So the first tour I did was with my band, Hey Thanks. And it was with a band from Texas called Commons. They did the first half. And the second half was a band called Till I Fall. And they're in California. And we toured all the way up to Seattle and back down to Louisiana. It was like a three week tour. And it was really interesting because. I had booked the entire tour myself. I did all of the promo. I did, you know, all I, I handled everything. And it was a lot. And it was, um, I had started a few months before that because that was like my first time. And I like wanted to have all my T's crossed and my I's dotted. And um, it was super fun, mm-hmm. but it was also like nothing can really prepare you for how like isolating it is on tour. And it's really, it's weird to say that ah. because, you know, you're, you're, you're in a van with six five other people um but like you feel alone because you have no like it's almost like you have no space of your own but like also like when you're on the road you're like so stuck in your head because you can't leave the van so you just like you just delve into your head too much so then it's like after three weeks of that you know not sleeping in a bed you know not having privacy not having it's like you like you shrink more and more and more into your head and so when you're when you're when you know like for them like when they're on stage and like for me when I'm watching them perform and then on my second tour when I also like took pictures because I did both on the second tour you know that's like your release you know you have a 30 45 minute set where you can just like let out everything you've been holding in you know and then you go right back to the mm. van and you have to kind of re-bottle it all up and and drive for eight hours straight so it's it's really you know it's fun i loved it i loved both times i got to see places i never would have seen you know without tour um driving through deserts driving through the mountains in oregon mm. like i never like did those things um and tour gave me that and I you know I, I will always be super appreciative and it's definitely something that I want to experience again um but you know I, I'm not gonna say it's all rainbow and sunshine um especially because like as a tour photographer and as a tour manager a lot of times you don't make that much money on tour it's yeah. like a sad reality but it's like I would make more money working 40 hours a week at my day job, you know, rather than taking three weeks off and doing tour photography and taking like a 50% pay cut, you know? Yeah. So it's like, there's also that where it's like, you know, you're sacrificing a lot of time, like being able to be like comfortable on your bills just to do like what you love. Yeah. You know? So it's, it's, it's tough. There's definitely give and take with it, you know, especially when you're not like on like the super high professional level when you're touring on, a lo- like a DIY level there's definitely a lot of give and take um with that but it's not something that I would ever like trade that experience for again um and I would you know I would do it again in a heartbeat if you know it was safe to do so 
Yeah. Speaking of safe to do so, let's talk about COVID because this is such a weird time for all of us. And I think that a lot of us are just really want to be back in the industry (laughs) and doing something. So like, how, how, first of all, how are you doing during COVID? Because we've been in like a quote unquote lockdown since like March and this is November now so like it's been a long time that we've been dealing with this situation not having the music industry up and running so like how are you doing and like how are you uh like I guess handling the situation like what are you doing with your time how are you with photography just like all of it so I definitely think the first like two months I was like good I was like you know like you know, I lost my job, but I, we, you know, we had the stimulus, we had the unemployment. It was fine. I was using that time to really kind of focus on myself, mm-hmm. um, and like focus on my photography, be more creative with things in a safer way, like shoot more like, you know, landscapes or animals or, you know, models from like distance using like a 50 millimeter lens. Like I was doing things like that, mm-hmm. that was just like more like my own creative projects. But then, like, after two months, I think it just kind of really got to me. Um, and I wasn't handling it very well. I had, you know, I think we all kind of, like, or a lot of us really, especially artists, we, like, struggled a lot with depression during mm-hmm. um, this time because it turned our our lives completely around it. You know, it took away the things that gave, especially in music, it took away our outlet, you know, for a lot of us going to shows, not even just shooting them, but just being there, the experience, like taking it all in the sounds, the music, the smells, the mosh pits, like that was our release. That was our, that was our, you know, the daylight hours of the day sucked. So I'm going to go here and I'm going to shoot this show and I'm going to be in a mosh pit and I'm going to sweat and be gross and have fun. Like this is my release. And that really took that from us. So I think like a lot of people, like I struggled a lot with depression during COVID um, and my photography really took a hit. Um, I was questioning if this was even like the life that I wanted, like did Mm -hmm. I still want to pursue photography? I was questioning like, you know, was I even good enough to like do all of that? There was a lot of comparison. There was a lot of just feeling lost and I was like that for a few months. Um, honestly up until recently and then I kind of started getting back into it like you know refiguring out readjusting and then right when I started doing that was when my car got broken into and my I still have Mm -hmm. a lens I still have my 50 millimeter but like it was like my really nice lens that was stolen and I think when that happened it kind of oddly enough it kind of like reignited a flame in me Hmm. because it felt like Aside from just the obvious fact that, like, it sucked that it happened, it was really, like, having my lens taken from me was, like, having, like, a piece of my heart taken from me. And I think that kind of, like, reaffirmed, like, this is, like, this is very important to me, my photography, because someone took it away from me and I was broken, you know? So I think... I'm handling it as good as I can. Yeah. I, I mean, and that's just like on the photography aspect. There's like other things like just feeling lost in general and having all this time being isolated like really makes you like introspective and you don't always like what you see. And for sure, um, these last six months have also been really, really interesting. Like 
on you know dealing with like my gender dysphoria and all that kind of stuff is all like it's all like very multi-layered um so i think handling that i've just been handling it as best as i can ready to go back to some normalcy um so yeah yeah that's kind of how it's been for me yeah and i honestly the reason i like talking about this is i know that a lot of people are struggling right now and to hear just other people's stories about like what we're doing and how we're dealing with this like honestly to me makes me feel like so much less alone and like going back to what you were saying about music is our outlet to like be around other people and then if that's taken away like it is very like isolating so I know that a lot of people out there are struggling and it like I'm sorry to hear about <laughs> like your lens and everything that you've kind of been through in the past few months but it's so nice to hear like you kind of talk about it in a way that like you sound positive you sound happy to like be here and stuff with me and I love hearing about that and also having like the open conversation about like uh depression and mental health I think has like really like bloomed I guess over COVID like everyone's talking about how important your mental health is which I think is great in this industry so it's it's nice to like have these conversations but it always hurts my heart a little bit to hear about other people like struggling or going through things so I really hope that we can kind of get back to our like regular routine and concerts and like our lifestyle soon and yeah definitely agree yeah I wanted to talk a little bit about like your general photography style and how it like portrays into like kind of who you are as a person because one of the most interesting things that I was like okay I gotta talk to Kale and then you've sent me this uh message that you were like yeah my friends call me the photographer of death (laughs) and I was like I have to know more about this so tell us like how this like photographer of death came up and like what this is and like why this name stuck with you so it kind of came from a few different things so like i had said um i was very much into america's next top model um tyra banks was like the bible for me like all through my childhood and teenage years and one of the most like famous things the term the the term she coined um is smizing and it's when you smile with your eyes and she used to always talk about how you have to put life into your eyes like no one wants to shoot dead eyes um and Aside from that, just as a person, you know, Mm -hmm. I've struggled with um, depression and, you know, mental health issues for a very long time since I was about like 15, 16. So, you know, over like 10 years now, I've been like really struggling with it. And I've always had a really hard time, I guess, dealing with death and um, kind of accepting, you know, mortality in a sense. Mm Mm-hmm. So whenever I started doing things that weren't music photography, when I started working more with models, um, I sort of just started to see like 
on the sort of like creative side, like what kind of like message do I want out of my photography? I just ended up leaning towards a lot of things that were a little more morbid. Um, and it, it became like a running joke with my friends where like I would say like, oh, like I'm, you know, I have a photo shoot at 530 today. And they were like, oh, like who are you going to kill? Um, instead of asking me like who the model was, because it was, I would be taking, you know, pictures and somehow there'd be like some type of like imagery of death thrown in there. And so it just kind of became a joke. And over time, um, one of my, one of my best friends, Mona, um, she modeled a lot for me and we did a lot of shoots like bringing mental health to the mm -hmm. forefront and all those kind of things. And I did um, this shoot for a band called City Mouth where I took one song from, like every song from their EP and each one had a photo that was attached to it. And that the EP talks a lot about like mental health and depression and dealing with death and everything. So there's a lot of like death imagery in that photography. So it sort of um, evolved to where like the kind of become like my style I mm -hmm. guess is this like weird fusion of like fashion because I tend to you know I tend to style all of my models and um things like that so it kind of became this like fusion of like fashion and art and um conceptual photography kind of like all blended in one and a lot of like the themes of my photography just tend to revolve around death so that's kind of like where that kind of came from and I've, I've always said like one of the more challenging things when I was doing this was like, how can I still, how can I still make a photo interesting when someone's uh -huh. eyes aren't smizing? And I guess that was sort of like me, like bucking heads against the philosophy of <laughs> Tyra Banks. It was like, you know, you can get a good photo out of a model without them smizing like that. And that's like, and that's kind of like the other side of like why I kind of got into this was like, kind of like proving like you can still like push uh -huh. that hurdle. Um, and kind of like pushing what it means to take a quote unquote yeah. good photo. I love how you just like decided one day that you were going to have like a feud with Tyra Banks and be like, look, I'm going to do the opposite. <laughs> um, it's when you, <laughs> it's like just taking the philosophy of your hero and being like, you know what? Maybe I'm going to You're like, I'm just going to change it. I'm just going to do it. I love that. I, I just thought that was so interesting because we talk about like, style with photography so much and like how to make your shots unique and that is such a like unique perspective but also like super relatable because I mean like at the end of our lives everyone's gonna die so it's like it's a struggle that everyone I think has to some point so it's super super relatable and you're like finding a way to kind of like I guess like process through it on your own and then also like relate it to people and then make it fashion and make it beautiful I just I love that I find that super fascinating yeah it's definitely one of those things where facing like facing mortality and you know looking at mortality um it, it in some ways it's very jarring yeah and makes people uncomfortable but that uncomfort like it kind of normalizes it and not to like normalize death but you know it's like you said like at the end of everyone's going to die and I think just my own personal self like me taking these photos and me like directing these photo shoots like it's helped me a lot mm -hmm. kind of like face some of this stuff um yeah. and it's helped me like conceptualize like my own depression and my own like obsessive thoughts and it's it's really helped me through a lot of really 
tough times. Um, you know, they yeah. say, like, you always, like, turn to your art to help you through things. That's kind of really, like, where this all came from. Yeah, I was just gonna say that, like, art is an outlet. I find that fascinating that you just took this and made something, like, really unique out of it and something that, like, really kind of works for you, for your style, for your photography, just, like, everything that you kind of stand for. It kind of, like, blends in together and, like, created this super creative concept. I feel like I'm, like, not hitting the point and rambling, but I just find it super fascinating, and I love that you gave us the background on that. Yeah. Kind of speaking about your style, like, when it comes to music photography, when you're at a show, like, what are you trying to capture? Like, what are your favorite types of shots? Um, What are you looking for when you're, you know, in the pit for your few songs? Um, So it's actually the complete opposite. (laughs) When it comes to my music photography, I love nothing more than capturing smiles and capturing the those little bursts those little moments where because like some musicians like they tend to be like you know very serious on stage but there's always that moment very brief moment where a musician like that love of music and that love of being on stage it just bursts out and they just smile Mm -hmm. or they just like chuckle or they giggle or or something happens where they quote break character I guess from their like musician persona yeah and that's what I love capturing I love capturing like the happiness and the joy and the unadulterated just bliss that musicians experience on stage that's my favorite part and that's what I love capturing and um, I always say, like, there's nothing cuter than a musician who, that smiles. And so, like, I always try and capture that as much as possible. I love that. And Because, I mean, like, and it's also just, like, I, I feel like it just makes for, like, funner photos. And I think just having, because a lot of, and it's also kind of just, like, I feel like a lot of music photographers do capture those very, like, intense, serious moments, which are, you know, beautiful in their own right. But I see a lot of music music photography and there's not an abundance of smiles you know because most like people don't like associate smile because you can't tell a musician to smile on stage you can't direct a photo it's not directing a photo shoot so you can't like instruct them what to do so Mm -hmm. it's like you know like I said like most of the time musicians aren't like actively smiling on stage so there's a lack of that I think in the music industry um, which is just pictures of musicians like being like blissfully unaware of the camera and smiling and just like looking at their bandmates and doing some type of camaraderie thing or just like just little cute things like I think that's what I like the most about it and that's what I like to capture I love that yeah those like goofy little moments are so fun and I love them as like a fan you know so like if I see a band that's like enjoying themselves on stage I am aware of that and I love that you're taking like the time and like dedication to capture those moments and share them out because I think that they're like really kind of like pure and I love that. Agree. Pure is the best word, I think, to use for that. Okay, switching gears a little bit. This is one thing that I talk about in all of my podcast episodes and was really the reason that I started this podcast is to highlight, like, women and non-binary photographers and talk about, like, our kind of, like, issues in the industry and 
you know, just like really highlight everyone's work and make a platform that shows off everyone. So I wanted to hear your experience of like any prejudices that you've faced um, from like being in the industry, working in the industry, like how has your personal experience been? Like any stories, topics, like feelings about the industry, I would love to hear from your point of view. Yeah, so um, it's really interesting for me because my gender and I and I use they them pronouns and I identify as as non-binary but that's been such an ongoing journey and when I started Mm -hmm. in this industry in the music industry um I was still identifying as a man and so part of my struggle it has always been like affirming my own identity around a scene that has known me prior to that identity and I think Mm -hmm. there's like challenges in that and there's there's but there's also um when I go to think when I go to scenes and when I go to other places where they don't know me um it's always like this battle of is it worth correcting um there's always this fear Mm -hmm. of you know because a lot of time you know I have the opposite problem as you know a lot of people i you know have a very masculine appearance i'm very mask leaning um but i hate part of my like dysphoria i i hate being associated with i guess like broness and like bro culture and i i don't like being yeah. lumped in with like manness and i think i get a lot <laughs> of that yeah in the industry because it's i mean it's a male dominated industry and so i think a lot of times like people will see me and they'll immediately like treat me like one of the boys and it is very gross I guess for me it's, it's hard to really like really like verbalize dysphoria um but it's one of those things where it does make me very uncomfortable but it's always this battle of like is it worth correcting am I just gonna get you know flack from it you know when it sometimes when I do correct it's I'm met with like blank stares and I'm um you know continuously misgendered for the night and it's just one of those things where it's like I'm still kind of like navigating that myself but there's also things that I experience because I'm masculine in appearance um where people will say things to me like about women in the industry even the people who are there that night and it's just like it blows my mind it's like like you wouldn't say this to her or you wouldn't say this to another woman or like visibly non-man in the industry it's like why are you telling me this like and it's these people that like I like don't know these people at all but they'll just say these things and it's just like it does give me this weird like jarring perspective that like there are people like this in the industry and it's really gross and so it's like I guess I haven't experienced sexism myself because I do have that that's some like you know from this perspective like I do have that privilege of looking more masculine and while it's like a double-edged sword because because of that I also experience a lot of more dysphoria um I also like have to see more of that side of the industry that they kind of keep I guess hidden from women and you know visibly non-men in the industry so it's just really weird like navigating an industry that you love 
around people that you know are scummy. And I guess I, I see that scum mm. in a different perspective because it's like when I, when I, when I hear, because all of like my mentors, I guess, in the photography scene, my friend Katie O'Rourke, um, Samantha Page, um, Gabrielle Feld, like, you know, they're all women in the industry. And I, I see what they go through and I see um, what they experience. Um, and I hear their stories and I hear stories of other women photographers. And, and so like, they, like when a woman in the industry experiences that side, I guess, of it, it's always like as the victim of sexism, which is, and prejudice, which is like very terrible. Mm -hmm. And it's things that they have to overcome. Whereas for me, I see the sexism from the lens of them being like proud of it or like bragging. And that's just so weird to me that like people have that mentality because, you know, my bandmates, the the men in the industry that like I'm actually friends with or surround myself with like are nothing like that. So I guess sometimes I just like forget that there are really... I guess disgusting people in the scene until I'm exposed to it in such like a weirdly proud way. Um, and I think over quarantine, it's been this really interesting, I hate the term cancel culture because I think it's something that was very much needed. And I think there's some like negative connotation yeah. about like being canceled, but like we have seen like this, a lot of men in the industry, like being exposed for, being scummy and you know doing really bad vile things and i think that was much needed for the industry and i honestly yeah. hope it continues um and it like it can't be understated that it's like it's because like people have been brave enough to like come forward with stuff that they have to face and so i think it's just it's interesting like navigating my own gender and navigating everything else and being visibly masculine while also being like openly LGBT and openly queer. And it's, it's a lot of different like intersectional veins that I've had to like navigate in the music scene. So I don't really know like the final point, I guess I was trying to make with this answer, but I, I think just like, that's my overall experience. I think that it's super important to hear everyone's experience because we all experience life, I guess, in general differently. Um, but I completely understand the the point that you're saying of the way that you experience the music industry is different and different about how I've even talked about it on this podcast because, you know, for a lot of the interviews I've done, it's from a like female point of view specifically about sexism and that's not necessarily the direction that I want to go in this podcast. I want to make sure that everyone has a voice and everyone talks about really whatever issue they face in the industry regardless of really anything. Um, so I I'm very curious about your point of view, especially with the thing, and I kind of want to go back to this to kind of like clarify it because I'm very interested, is the, um, the proudness acts at, oh my God, aspect. Wow, that was a hard word for me to say. But the proudness aspect that you mentioned before, is that like coming from 
like females saying that they're they're proud of like handling and taking themselves through like sexist behaviors or like dudes proud of this experience that they're putting other people through like where does that uh come from so when i when i talked about the proudness uh it was definitely in reference to like the men and i say proudness in the same way like that that and I hate this word it's so cringy but like that locker room talk I was just gonna that say people that. like hide behind like that's that that's their like defense mm-hmm. for like saying these like egregiously gross things like they'll say like oh it's just locker room talk like it's just boys being boys like blah 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 and it's just like seeing like the the men the scummy men in the music industry engage in that kind of like talk where they're like proud of like the gross behavior they've had like and they they say these things like to me or around me because I look masculine and so they think it's like a safe space for them to be like terrible people and it's like it's not like you know and this, so that's the kind of what I meant by yeah I don't like experience that myself like as a like as a victim of it because I'm mask leaning but I experience it in a way where like I have to be exposed to like that side of it which is like I almost like am forcibly a witness to this like weird gross proud lot like green room talk I guess you would call it in this industry um and especially yeah. like working like not just as a photographer but also being a stagehand in the music industry you know stagehands are basically invisible to the band like oftentimes they don't even look at us they don't like pay attention because we're i mean we're there to work and we're there to like watch the doors stuff like that so you hear a lot of things mm-hmm. um being a quote-unquote invisible employee like part-time worker um and so it's just it really did ex- expose like a lot of the scumminess to me firsthand because it's one of the things where it's like you never like Mm -hmm. want to believe these musicians are bad people you know because a lot of people look up to them and they make good music and blah 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 and so when you're kind of like exposed to that not even just as a victim but like as someone who hears how like just like like i keep saying like how proud they are that they did xyz to this person or the things they want to do to xyz or they you know talk about you know oh like that photographer in the pit you know just being like gross and like like talking about like how like the photographer pit had a fat ass and like it's yeah. just like being forced to witness these things is just it's gross and and i guess that's what i meant by like how proud they are of it um just saying these things with their whole chest like nothing is wrong yeah and it's just it's weird and i just will never understand that mentality and I guess, like, as as I start to understand um, my own gender and start to, like, navigate that more and be more, like, open about it, it's definitely been this strange journey. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, a good chunk of that hasn't really been, like, necessarily directly involved with the music scene. But I will say there are a lot of people in the scene that have very much, you know, embraced me immediately, no questions asked, um, have made me feel very safe. Um, And I I always mess up the acronym, but the Samantha helps run this group on Facebook, Girl Behind the Rock Show, yes. And she invited me into the group. And at first I was very nervous because, you know, like 
like I mentioned, like I'm a very masculine leaning person. I, you know, I look quote unquote traditionally male. Um, so I do experience a lot of like, oh, you're not actually non-binary. You know, you're not, you're not non-binary enough because you're not androgynous enough. Like, and it's one of those things where it's like, trust me, I know, you don't you don't have to remind me, um, (laughs) that I, that I, that, that, that I look, that I look this way. Um, I, I am reminded every day of my life, but going into that group, I experienced a lot of really like welcoming and positivity and just a lot of camaraderie and just immediate acceptance. And it's it was a really emotional thing for me to like go into this group and just feel so incredibly safe yeah. and comfortable and just allowing me to be who I am. And it really like helped me appreciate this scene on a whole different level. Um, it showed me that there is like a lot of good in this industry and there's a lot of good good-hearted people um that are really there for you because i think whenever we see all these negative things in the music industry um especially lately during quarantine with all these people being exposed well i think we can get really bogged down on the negative Mm -hmm. and it starts to feel like everything's like that but then you have to remember like no like let me think about all these good memories that i've made and all of these good people that I've met through this scene that I would have never met otherwise. And um, it's always funny, like, Sam... Sam is always one of the first people to, like, if someone, like, misgenders me or uses my dead name and, like, you know, like, refuses to correct themselves or apologize, she is the first one to hop in that Twitter mention and and be like, no, you will call them, Kale. Like, you will use... like Like, she's very, like... I guess, like, she's very protective because she knows that I'm very, like, I guess sort of timid about that. Um, And she's just one of, like, the most amazing people I think I've ever met through the scene because she has done a lot to make me just feel very comfortable, like, with myself and with others. And so, um, yeah, I kind of just went on another tangent there. But (laughs) um, it just goes to, like, you know, there are bad things that happen in the scene. But at the end of the day, I think there is just such a net positive and I think yeah. that's why we do what we do. Because yeah. at the end of the day, like, we're exhausted. Usually we're underappreciated, especially as photographers. Usually we're underpaid. We all have day jobs. Like, we, we do all these things. We make all these sacrifices. But we still do it because we're yeah. happy. And we yeah. find joy in it. And we find self-realization in it. And I think that's just what I've been clinging to during quarantine just piggybacking off of what you're saying there are so many great people in this industry and honestly like talking to people on this podcast has really like opened that up for me and like meeting all these people that have a passion and just like a love for other people in the industry um and just being like so supportive of each other and it's so heartwarming to like hear stories of people in the industry like having someone stand up for them having someone that's always there for them having like feeling welcome in certain groups it's just like everything that we should be doing in the music industry so I love that you know even with any negativity that we talk about um, experience in the music industry there's also so much positive and I love hearing that like you've found people that support you and have been there for you and just like make you feel welcome I love that yeah 
Definitely. So to end this, I have one last question for you, and that's just tell us the best piece of advice that you've received that you would love to pass on. The best piece of advice I've ever received was don't get bogged down on your equipment. Mm. And I think for me especially, that piece of advice really hit home because when I first started photography, I had my camera but I had a really cheap lens. I didn't have a laptop, so I would edit all of my photos by Bluetoothing them to my phone, and I would edit everything on Lightroom Cloud. And I did that for the first year because I was too poor to afford a laptop. So, Mm. you know, I basically learned how to be a photographer on my iPhone, you know, on an iPhone 6, very small screen, like, you know, and that's how I learned. And I did, you know, portrait photography and I did music photography and I learned light editing and balancing and color correction, everything I learned on my iPhone, you know, and um, I was even, you know, I became the house photographer, like still using my iPhone. So it's like one of those things where it's like, it's very tempting to like, you, you're always going to compare yourself to other people. And I think a very common question a lot of photographers ask is, oh my god like what camera did you use for that shot what lens did you use like blah 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 like oh I could Mm -hmm. I could get that shot if I had this camera but it's like honestly I know photographers in the music scene who have used point and shoots and have done amazing work and and so I think that's just definitely the biggest thing is just don't get bogged down on what you have and on what others have and just make the most of mastering your the equipment that you have until you have the means to you know, get something better, I guess. I love that. That is fantastic advice. Thank you so much for sharing. And I know we've been talking for a while, so we'll wrap this up. But can you please give a shout out to where people can find you online and on social media? Yeah, so my Instagram and my Twitter are both my name, Kale Gidry. Um, I'm a lot more personable on Twitter. Um, and I also have a blog, a website called The Modern Rougarou, um, which is probably difficult to spell for people who aren't from Louisiana. Um, but I do post a lot of like other blog type related things. And that's sort of like my full photography portfolio on there. And then I have a print shop on InPrint. So it's kind of like where you can all find me. Awesome. And all of those links will be included in the description of this podcast for all of you guys listening out there that you can find it there. And Kale, thank you so much for joining me today. You talked so much about like your your gender, your experience, how you got started and your success for so many things that I think was super insightful. Um, very interesting to me and I just like appreciate your openness and honesty so I love that you were on this podcast and thank you so so much thank you so much for having me this was a really good experience oh I love hearing that and again thank you and I hope to see you in the pit (laughs) 